Hi, this is Doug for Over Sports Illustrated, and the reason I'm speaking Sato voice is we're in the uh, Super Bowl press area in a uh, hidden compartment here with my good friend Greg Cosell to talk about, as Greg puts it, the biggest game in the history of Western civilization. And Greg, here we are, uh, time for Super Bowl XLIX, as they put it. I say 49. Uh, 49. Well, you know, I like to get all Roman about it. And you and I have, we, we talked about it at length yesterday, and, and we're bring a lot of these same points. From a matchup perspective, I think we both agree this game is so much more interesting than Seattle-Denver for a number of reasons, specifically the fact that, as we've discussed all year and for a number of years, you never really know how Bill Belichick is going to attack you on either side of the ball. No. And all you can do is really use what he's done as a foundation because that's what's on tape, that's the track record. But he also is very well known for having smart players, and he does different things. I mean, I remember, to me, one of the greatest examples of that, you go back to when, uh, I guess, the first Super Bowl win against the, the St. Louis Rams, and all anybody talked about was how you have to stop Kurt Warner, and you have to speed up Kurt Warner, and he has to be the focus of your defense, and what does he do? He tries to stop Marshall Falk, and he does it, with the sort of that bullseye approach, mm-hmm. and I think it Which took I believe head. you wrote about in the game, this is a change of the game. Funny you mention that, because nice I did. There, yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> um, you know, and that's the kind of thing that with Coach Belichick, you, you never know, and you know, he's a lot smarter than us, uh, than we are, so you never know exactly what, because when you look at the matchup, I mean, if, if we just want to sort of start a starting point, let's start on, on well, defense. Well, what, what are the common constructs? Let's start with the defense. Okay. Because no matter how much Belichick shakes it up, I mean, right. every team, no matter how adventurous you want to get, every team has common constructs that they have to use, that right. they have to Well, what, what they've done the last 10, 11 weeks is they've essentially been a high-percentage man-to-man defense. And we chart this at NFL Films for the matchup show, and what we do is we chart it based on past dropbacks. We leave the running plays out, because sometimes it's hard to specifically tell with a running play, so you know with a past dropback what the coverage is. And there are 75 to 80% man-to-man defense over the last 10, 11 weeks. Very high percentage. I can't sit here and tell you that's the highest in the league, because we have not charted every team, but we did chart the Patriots. Now, just when you say man, you don't mean press zone. You mean absolute man, man coverage. Where, man where someone is assigned, a man is assigned to each of the five eligible receivers. Now, they might have a double team concept as part of that, depending on who they're playing, if they want to take away a particular player, but that's still part of a man-to-man concept. Okay, we know that Remus and Browner can play that, but the, the, and this was kind of my sense as to the way they do it. We've seen from the Packers, and I, I know the Patriots really haven't played a guy like Russell Wilson outside of Ryan Tannehill as far as you know, Correct. the option. We've seen with the Packers that as a man corner, you have to turn your back right. to the quarterback. You have to turn your back and run with the receiver. Well, and that's, that's really going to be an obstacle if you turn your back to Russell Wilson and you're an outside you know, secondary well, force run defender. I think they'll... Well, let, let's do it this way. I think... When you look at Seattle's offense, and obviously we're doing Cliff Notes versions here because we're not doing five-hour seminars, but there's really really two things that, as I said, Cliff Notes version. In normal down-and-distance situations, you have to deal with the run game. Now, when Wilson's under center, it's pretty a base run game like many NFL teams run. Inside zone, outside zone, mostly inside zone. Right. 
everybody runs that. That that tactically is not in and of itself different other than Wilson, like some other quarterbacks, gives you the boot action game, so you do have to have a contained element. But let's leave that alone for the moment. Let's talk about the read option concepts, which is a, a significant foundation of what they do. Yeah. So that's the first thing, and we'll come to that in a sec. That's the first thing. The second thing when you play that team, Seattle's offense, is the third and long or the second and long situations where Wilson's in the gun. And now you've, you've got to defend not only the pass game, but you've got to defend Wilson as as a movement player. And I think Rob Ninkovich talked about that today, about when Wilson's in the gun, the reads become a lot more complex. Right. So so let's start. Let's start with the read option when, let's say, it's first and ten. Right. Okay? Now, there's two things you have to defend in the read option. You have to defend Wilson keeping the ball, and you have to defend Wilson handing the ball to Marson Lynch. Those are the two things you have to defend in simple terms. Right. Correct? Because we're not even talking about him as a throw radio. Not yet. Not yeah. yet. And that's part of it, but let's do it step by step. So, you can defensively define the read. You can make Russell Wilson hand the ball off by how that unblocked defender, the angle he takes to the quarterback. Now, I don't think Belichick will try to do what we've seen a lot, sort of feather the option where he tries to have the unblocked defender play both. Mm-hmm. I think with Russell Wilson, that's too hard. Yeah. So I think you're either going to have that unblocked defender crash really hard to play Marshawn Lynch, knowing that you have a backer, a linebacker, then scraping outside to take away Wilson's run, or that unblocked defender is going to widen and make sure Wilson hands it off. And the scrape, I know, became a really big thing a couple of years back in the NFL before taking it from college and saying, can we use right. that, that scrape technique? And that's a good explanation of what it exactly is. Correct. So, yeah. And that makes sense to some degree because that player is a better athlete than a defensive end. So if that player is Jamie Collins or Hightower, you know, although Ninkovich and Chandler Jones are pretty good athletes, yeah. but you know, linebackers theoretically are better athletes. Right. So, and they're, I mean, just to interrupt, they're running a base four three now, so they call Jones and Ninkovich in. So Even though at times they're in two yeah. point stances, but, but yes. I, I know we all run hybrid, right, NFL, right, right, but they're right. technically ends. They're Correct. mostly hand on the ground. Correct. That's what they do. Correct. So you you can define the read and make Russell Wilson hand it off. Then, of course, you've got to defend Marshawn Lynch which in, in and of itself is not easy. So, pain in the ass. <laughs> right, right. So that's, that's the first part of that. Now, the key now is the pass game that potentially comes off that because you have Wilson's movement. They don't really have what I'd call a big drop-back pass game off-read option action where Wilson just drops back into the pocket. It's more movement. The perfect example of that and the play that is maybe symptomatic of do your job and how Seattle tries to create problems for defenses with eye discipline is the 80-yard touchdown pass to Luke Wilson against Arizona week 16. A really good example of that. It was just what we're talking about. I believe it was first and 10. They lined up in a very staple personnel package and formation for them and they faked Wilson faked to Marshawn and then booted and Tyran Matthew had Luke Wilson man-to-man. And where were Matthew's eyes? In the backfield. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he took a step up. He lost Luke Wilson, yeah. who ran by him. 
and it was a touchdown. And of course, everyone blames Larry Foot. <laughs> yeah, Larry Foot had nothing to do with it, but that's all. Yeah, but, but they always blame the guy who wasn't covered. Right, but that's the issues they cause when you have a lot of backfield action and a mobile quarterback is that it's it's very easy to lose your discipline, your eye discipline, and get your eyes in the backfield, and that's the problem it causes. So when with the read option element, you have to defend Wilson getting on the perimeter, Lynch running inside, and then the boot, the pass key. That's what you have to defend. Now, I would... I would make him hand it off for the simple reason, and this is no knock on Marshawn Lynch, but I would make him hand it off because you're you're making him hand it off into bodies. What you don't want, in my view, is Wilson getting on the perimeter with no one there. Yeah, because he thrives on chaos. Yeah, you just don't want any player on offense getting on the perimeter with no bodies there. So I would make him hand it off and then deal with Marshawn Lynch in a mass of bodies. Now, Lynch is a great back, and he'll get a few good runs, and he'll move the pile. He'll do what he does, but I think you're... That, to me, that's less risky. Yeah. So, but but the key is then defending the pass as well. You can't allow Wilson to get on the edge in the pass game uh, and make make throws. Right, because he I mean, he likes to roll out for the same reason Breeze likes to roll out, create throwing lanes. Right. It's taller than you. And also, they have this sort of, um, like we discussed this before, they have two staple uh, pass plays to the running back, which is the wheel route and the comeback. Wilson will right. roll right, Lynch will roll after whoever, Turbin, Michael, whoever it is, and all of a sudden he's got a wheat field over there right. that runs for 30 yards. You know, and the, see, the stuff they do really well, because in, in many ways their pass game is, it's schemed. Okay, in the sense that you'll see Wilson roll right and he'll throw back left. You know, plays, and I think you're going to see those kinds of plays in the Super Bowl. You know, they've done that really well in, in the far red zone or when they're at the 25 or 30 where they'll throw it back across the field. You mentioned the wheel route, which they ran twice against Green Bay. The first time Barrington got his hand in. The second time was the big gainer where Lynch stepped out, I guess, at the nine, and then they scored a couple of plays later. Um, But that's the kind of stuff they have to do because their base pass game, you and I have discussed this, is is somewhat elementary and not really that strong. So now let's just jump ahead to when it's longer yardage situations. So now you have to defend their routes, which are not that difficult conceptually, but if they're going to stay with their high percentage man, doing on that is, now you've got to take care of Wilson. And I think you're going to see them spy. I think you're going to see them use Jamie Collins. Um, and I think they'll use Hightower, too, because Hightower was used to spy Andrew Luck. And while Andrew Luck may not be quite Wilson in terms of, of you know, quickness of movement, Luck's still pretty pretty active, pretty agile. You're going to see Hightower and Collins involved as spies so they can play their man coverage. Um, and they spy because they play a lot of nickel, and, and Collins and Hightower, you know, it's two right. linebackers. Might they spy a side? Well, what they'll probably do is it'll be based off the back. Okay. So if the based off the release of the back. So they'll have two guys inside. One of them will have the back because it'll be a man concept. 
And if, you know, let's say Collins is on the right and Lynch or Turbin releases to the right, that linebacker will go with the back because that'll be his main responsibility, and the other linebacker will become the spy and vice versa. You know, that's that's what they'll do. We, I think it was you, I was talking to someone, I think it was you, um, I, I think it was you that, that mentioned that one of the better ways to cover what the Seahawks do, even though the Patriots are a man team, is to play cover too. Well, I, I was just thinking of ideas, and... Yeah. The reason I thought of that, and, and the more I think about it, um, I, if they did something like that, I think they would tweak the concept. I think they would go cover two work. They would. Here's why I think they would tweak the concept. For, well, first of all, let's start with cover two. Yeah. The reason I thought about cover two is because, again, in my research for that aforementioned book, thank you, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> cover two actually began in, in college. Bud Carson, the legendary defensive coordinator who started the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers and with the Steel Curtain D coordinator. He came from college, Georgia Tech, and he really devised cover two to defend the option run game. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because what is cover two? In cover two, the corners allow receivers to run by them. They don't turn and run with receivers. Right. So corners are primary run support defenders. So you're essentially... If, if you're playing your base defense, you're essentially on the blackboard playing with a nine-man box. And the only reason I'm not sure that they would do that, maybe other than as a change-up, or unless they tweak something, is I don't think they're going to want to line up with two deep safeties against the Seahawks' run game. Yeah. I also don't know that Brandon Browner can He's not a zone No, but I also think this is not a pass game. As, as you look at the risk-reward of, of Seattle's offense, yeah. I'm not sure that you're thinking, oh, we better stop this pass game or else we can't beat them. Right. I'm not sure that's... Yeah, you don't play cover two against Aaron Rodgers because you're worried about it. Right, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure they're worried that's about that. So, but I, I, And I'm not, you know, Belichick's a heck of a lot smarter than I am, so I'm not sure exactly how you tweak cover two if you want to do that. But I don't think they'd play with two deep safeties at normal down and distance. Well, they could play like a cover two under concept or a yeah. two alert concept, and that's where the safeties become interesting because you have McCordy, who's usually a deep guy, right, and Sean, right. who will come down to the linebacker right. a lot. And that becomes like a hood, like a cover one or cover three. Right, blood. right. But they're actually rolling cover two, and it's more, it's almost like you have Collins and Hightower reading and Chung and McCordy reading, and you're kind of reading it. Right. all the way down the middle. And that's where tendencies become so important because they could, in a sense, play cover two conceptually and, and maybe based on a tendency knowing that, hey, in this formation, they don't throw it to that side of the field, so we're going to bring a safety down knowing they're not going to throw it over the top on that side of the field. Right. And then you still get the desired result of the two corners being in the run game without really having to concern yourself with the possible pass that breaks that down. And that's where all the breakdowns, because what happens for the Super Bowl, Doug, as you know, is teams bring in all their scouts. Every personnel person comes in to literally go through every play of the opponent yeah. for the season. And one guy's assigned to like a third and seven pass plays. Exactly. One guy's assigned to third and seven run plays. Exactly. It's really Right, macro. right. Yeah. So that's, you know, and, and we won't know Hey, I do a lot of work, obviously, with film, you know, with uh, coaching tape, but we can't do that kind of work. It's just I don't have a staff like that, you know, for the matchup show. So, but then the other part of in long yardage, of course, is Wilson running. We talked about the spy. 
So the key is you do not want Wilson leaving the pocket vertically, running straight. Because if he's able to leave running straight, you have a problem. You have a big, you have a 30-yard problem. Potentially, (laughs) potentially. Now, in an ideal world, you'd like him to leave the pocket to his left. But if he's going to leave to his right, what you'd ideally like him to do is to have to retreat a little bit as opposed to running truly laterally. If you can get him to retreat, which Green Bay did, by the way, pretty well. If you start to get him to retreat as he moves to his right, he's essentially going to have to throw the ball away because there's really not a lot of options. And that's actually something he's done better this year because before when he was retreating, he was looking, looking, looking. That's usually when he gets sacked. Right. And it would be one of those inexcusable sacks, like, for God's sake, why did he throw the ball? Right, right. So, yeah. So... So there's, we've really just discussed the two areas that you have to deal with. As I said, Cliff Notes version, when you play Seattle's offense, because their pass game, particularly their their long yardage pass game, you know, the third and eights, that conceptually is not that hard to deal with. It's Wilson. You have to prevent him from making sort of those structured improvisational plays. So let's say, I mean, we've discussed three-by-one set as Seattle's base. And that's the, that was the set on the 80-yard touchdown to Luke Wilson. Right. So let's say you got three-by-one, um, you've got gun, you've got maybe an offset pistol, something like that. When you have three receivers on one side, well, how you, do you then... Well, if you're playing man, it's not an issue. Yeah. So you just move... <coughs> it's not an issue because you're just going to match up. Yeah. You're just going to match up with your nickel defense. You're going to put Revis on probably Baldwin. You're going to put Browner on, I mean, you know, Browner could probably play Curse. And you're going to put Arrington on, uh, you know, who's the, who's the third receiver at this point? Could be Ricardo Lockett. Yeah. yeah, it'll be Arrington on yeah. that guy. That guy. That guy uh, yeah, and, it, and you match up man-to-man. That's, and it's funny, and we'll get to this with the other side of the ball, but that that's essentially that side to me. You know, you that's what Seattle's offense is. I think there's going to be, when I say trick plays, I don't mean trick plays in terms of flea flickers, but I think you're going to have to be real careful about schemed misdirection in this game. Yeah, as you said, they're a deception offense. Yeah, you're going to have to be really... Because this, to me, is a game where there's going to be a couple of those plays that are a little out of the norm, not totally out of the norm, you know, that, that you've never seen them before, but you're going to, there's going to be a couple of those plays, if they work... The team that they work for will could win the game. If they don't work, it'll it'll you know the other team could win the game. But Seattle will try some of that. You know, we've seen them do that. We've seen Wilson roll hard to his right and throw it back across the field to Marshawn Lynch. You you could see that. Now, if you play man to man, theoretically you've got that taken care of right. because someone is responsible There's for Marshawn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so when you look at and let's just talk about isolating skill sets. Um, you saw Golden Tate go to Detroit, right? Um, and all of a sudden he's in a high-volume passing offense, and duh, guess what happened? Yeah, he caught 99 balls. When you look at Baldwin, especially in Curse, sort of secondary as a tangential guy, in a nutshell, what are their skill sets? Well, I really like Baldwin. I think Baldwin, if he played in a passing offense, I think he'd be a really good slot guy. I think he's a slot guy. I think he'd be, you know, he's the kind of guy that if he was a free agent and went somewhere where they really threw it, I think he'd catch 80 balls. Yeah. I think Baldwin's a really good player. I think Curse is a little bit of a, a one-trick pony. I think he's a little straight line-ish. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, he's he's another guy who would not be, in an ideal world, one of your, he wouldn't be one of your top two. And he's not really a slot guy in a strict sense. So, 
uh, but but Baldwin I think is a very good receiver. And then you got Luke Wilson, kind of. He's a pretty good he's, receiving he's tight along. end. He's yeah. Presented some interesting matchups. Yeah. As you discussed in the Arizona game. Yeah. Um, he presents some matchup issues. How do they line him up, and what are those matchups? How do they line him up, and what is their intention with him? They don't do a ton, but he's he's one of those guys who's a much more he's a much better mover than you think. Yeah. You know, I'm not suggesting that he's you know the best seam route runner in the NFL. You know that, but he has some some speed, some movement. He can get vertical. He can run, you know, I remember a play from two years ago where he caught a touchdown against San Francisco off boot action where he ran kind of a deep crosser. He's like an over? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can run those routes, and that was also off boot action, yeah. you know. And I think Wilson was under center on that play. So, you know, you're going to have to be, he's a guy, you know, will they put Patrick Chung on him? They've put Patrick Chung on what you would think would be big-time tight ends, and he's done the job, and yet most people would have not, a, not think of Patrick Chung being that guy. But that's what they've done, and it's been effective for them. Well, you just led into what I think might be the thing that decides this game is how Wilson deciphers not only the talent New England has in the secondary, but possibly more importantly, the variations, the versatility. Um, and I was talking to Devin McCourty about this at Media Day, and I said, have you ever been in this multiple secondary before? And I said, well, with Bill, it's always multiple, but it's been more so this season. Um, it, again, in a nutshell so we don't do that seminar. Why are they different in what they do, and why does it work? Because you can throw a bunch of crazy crap out there, and right. most of the time you don't have the personnel for it. But we've talked about four cornerback looks, big nickel, Revis in the slot, Revis outside, right. blah, blah, but, blah, blah, But at its core, and the reason why they don't bust is because it's still all man-to-man based. Mm-hmm. So now you're just talking about changes in personnel to match up to specific teams, but it's still man-to-man at its core. So you can line up with, you know, you might see Brandon Brown or playing Luke Wilson in this game. That one's, yeah, that one's surprising at all. You could easily see that, and that's a good matchup for New England. Yeah. They'd feel very comfortable with that. Um, so it's just, it, it becomes different personnel, but not... But the concepts are not drastically different. Is Russell Wilson going to see, um, not even disguise, but is he going to see base looks he hasn't seen before? Are they that advanced with it? You know, that's a hard question to answer because with two weeks you're going to see something that they haven't shown on film. Uh, So, yes, will he see something that he's not seen from film study? He will. Uh, You and I don't know what that's going to be. But he'll see something that he's not seeing. But it, but it, Bill's defense and the way they've been really successful this year is he's not like a Rex Ryan. You're not going to see exotic, crazy looks that you know that you have no idea where where guys are coming from. You know, you know. My guess is I don't think Bill's going to blitz a lot in this game. I don't think he blitz at all. I I might agree with that. <laughs> Certainly not in nickel. He may do some kind of, you know, if he feels like it's a run blitz kind of thing. But I think at a nickel or at a dime, depending on down and distance, I I don't think he's going to blitz. I think he's going to pull an LSU against A&M and do a total mush rush on Johnny Manziel. Obviously, we're dealing with a different, you know, strata of player here. I I think one of the ways to define the read and do that scrape um, and, and keep it all together 
is you don't want this guy stunning inside because all of a sudden now you have this huge Correct. I, um, that run defense, it seems to have improved in the second half of the season. It was a little catchy before. Right. Um, and that, I mean, last year, Super Bowl, Denver obviously keyed on Lynch. He didn't do much. They had uh, Terrence Knight, obviously, with invincible fork here. Hightower is an outstanding gap splitting run defender. Um, how does, I mean, against inside zone, which is Seattle's prominent running schematic concede, how do the Patriots do against that? Because it seems like right now they do pretty well. Well, one of the things I think the Patriots do really well is if they really feel comfortable that it's a, it's a run play, you know, based on tendency and, and you know, all those things that... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read your mind right now. Do a leg gap. No, no. Oh, okay. They have their <laughs> linebackers hit the line of scrimmage quickly, so it's very hard for one of the offensive linemen to work up to the second level. The second level, they kind of remove the distance between the second and first level. Hightower will be essentially on the line of scrimmage. Oh, okay. So well, It's not with a blitz look, it's just... Uh, no, right, that. that's what they do. They, they, they get that linebacker, the stacked backer, almost on the line of scrimmage. So there's no real delineation between levels, and it's excuse me, it's harder to block. Yeah. So then the next question is... And I don't think Seattle's great on their old line at getting to the second level no, anyway. No, they're not really. I've said it under, they're not. They yeah. like to be mobile, but they're not. Yeah, they yeah. They just don't have those guys. Yeah. Um, have you seen teams check out of a look like that and beat Newman's defense in, say, the intermediate level with some sort of crossing route? I mean, if I'm the quarterback, it's... I see that. Well, I the key is, is New England does it pretty late in the down. I mean, they don't just – Titan won't be sitting in a gap right. necessarily. They do it sort of at the snap, and it just makes it hard for the O-line because the whole point of his own run game is that their synchronization with your O-line, they make it hard to synchronize. I can see that hardly seems fair. <laughs> <laughs> so um, moving to the other side of this um, – we should, we should briefly talk about Jamie Collins for those who haven't heard our podcast before and how athletic he is and all the things he Yeah, he just... He's a special yeah, player. He, he gives you the opportunity to do a lot of things because he's 6'3", 250, and moves exceptionally well. So he, you know, he'll be used as a spy. He'll play man-to-man. He'll, you know, he could be a lurk defender depending on situations. Because a lurk and spy, they start to sort of they can become almost the same thing depending on the depth of, of the player. Because um, I can see chunks by this, too. I, do, I can, too. As a lurk, as a break-off, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but Jamie Collins is just, he's, his athletic gifts are, are really high level. Yeah. And I think that's important in this game because you're going to, at some point, you will have to run down Russell Wilson. You know, whether it happens behind the line of scrimmage and that's good for New England or whether you have to run him down if he gains 15 yards at some point you're going to have to run down Russell Wilson the one thing I'll say about Wilson as a passer we should probably touch on this too um, it, it happened it's happened I mean it happened in the Carolina game it happened that final drive in the championship game after his horrid start uh, he went from horrid to torrid right um, and la- in the last year's Super Bowl he will occasionally he'll run outside and you think he's going to stop and he'll see something open and he'll make this amazing pass. And to correlate with that, I was asking Devin McCourty about, and we talked about this too, what happens when that quarterback runs out and a three-second play turns into an eight-second play and all of a sudden everyone's going sandlot and your route concepts are fried. And McCourty said, yeah, 
a guy like Wilson, that's one of the biggest challenges because your slant and go is now just guys running around and beating each other. Well, and against a man team, that would seem to be almost a bigger problem. Yeah, and, and again, without knowing Belichick's thought, I, I would have a hard time thinking that Belichick would allow Wilson to have seven or eight seconds to throw. I mean, that third and 19 play against Green Bay last in the championship game, I timed that. He had eight seconds in the pocket. You may have timed it as well. He had eight seconds in the pocket. It seemed like a lot longer, yeah. Yeah. I just, like I said, I, I could be wrong, but I just can't imagine Belichick letting that happen. It's one thing to mush rush. It's one thing initially not to let him escape. But, you know, I don't think you're going to pull out a beach chair either. I mean, I think you you have to force something. Well, Chandler Jones, I think it was Chandler Jones that was pre- I was reading the transcripts. Um, and I think he said he gave the Belichick mantra, do your job about 26 times in his press conference today. So right, which is... They clearly have a plan. They clearly know exactly how they think they want to defend every possible permutation of that offense. Right, right. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't... I wouldn't think so either, but... The, I mean, the downside to Wilson's random improvisational style is that there are things he can't do. The upside to it is that he, at times, will just create things that shouldn't be there. Correct. No matter how good your defense is. And he's, got, he's the best in the league at that. Yeah. And that's his, that's his unique, innate strength. That's what he's really, really good at. Yeah. See, at some point to me, and then we'll move on to the other side of the ball... I think you do have to force the action at some point. Because the longer a play goes, the more Wilson is driving the play, yes. not the defense. Yes. And his receivers, and I've talked to Doug Baldwin and Ricardo, I've talked to all the receivers about this, they're so attuned to... I mean, Baldwin talked about looking at little tiny tells that tell you, okay, the play is... The, the structured play is now over. Wilson's going to run. Right. Not just run, but run the field. And their receivers know when that Correct. changes. Correct. They know to the millisecond, and that's when they all take off and, and do that. And that's why I call it structured improvisation, because it, it's not random in the sense that they all just then kind of run around and see what's going to happen. Yeah. They almost have a, a, a different dimension of route concept. Which, right. As much as we talk about their offense as elementary. Right, right, right. That, there is kind of that other I would have, yeah. So moving to uh, Seattle's defense... Let's start with New England's offense specifically. It's a very, that's a very quick passing game. Yes, it is. And Brady has talked about, I think it was Monday maybe, he talked about the first read open, and that's a big concept. And I'm about to compare Tom Brady to Tim Tebow, and I think my recorder will explode. But when, you don't really want to do that, do you? But when Tebow was in Denver, we talked about first read open and how Mike McCoy created first read open opportunities. Right. And obviously it's because Tim Tebow was a fatally limited quarterback. In Brady's case, it's more about my offensive line isn't good. I don't handle pressure in the way I used to, and I need that first guy bang open. How, in a general sense, do you defend a primary first read open team? Well, then it comes down to understanding the route concepts based on the, the personnel and the formations. Th- that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and you're, so you're reading if they're, if they're in a, you know, in a, like a double twins, which well, they like to do a lot. Okay, in that, Edelman might run this. Room correct. That, so and that's why you bring all the scouts in. So they yeah. take a look at all the formations and they say, when they line up in a two-by-two two with, per- with this personnel, you know, 86% of the time, this is where he throws the ball. 
Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know the answer to that just like you don't, but that's what you do. And that's how you go about defending it. Yeah. And if they do something different, then pats off to the offense. If they, you know, if they do it 86, you, you, you can only defend the 86. You can't defend the four, other 14%. So if they do the other 14%, the offense wins that down and you move on to the next play. Yeah. So there's you know the, the line issue, there's the receiver issue, and we'll talk about Edelman and LaFell especially in a second. But uh, I was talking to New England's offensive line coach, Dave. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> I don't either. It's so. a long yeah. name. Um, Gooch. Greg Bedard chiming in saying, call him Gooch. So New England's offensive line coach, Gooch. I asked him about Michael Bennett specifically, and he said, it, it's interesting. I, I, I almost think that New England is, I, I don't want to say worried, but they're keying on Michael Bennett as much as anybody, and I think one of the reasons that might be is the Justin Tuck factor in the two Super Bowls they lost to the Giants, because Bennett can bring pressure from right. inside, he can bring pressure from outside, and if Brady has a kryptonite, uh, we've seen the pressure on his face, and I've seen this season pressure outside to either way is a bigger problem, and it, do you notice that it's a bit harder for him to gain his lower body foothold and momentum to make throws? Because I don't know if I've been keying on it more this season, but it's more of a problem. It's funny you say that, because I think there's been a little dichotomy with Brady. I understand your point, but I also think he's also he's shown more mobility outside the pocket at times this year. Yeah. You I know, which that. is... You wouldn't expect at his his age, but and we're not saying he's Cam Newton, but it's, it's these no, but things. but you don't have to be, yeah, right. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned Bennett. We'll go back to that. Bennett plays inside in their nickel. He plays the end in their base, which raises to me one of the most fascinating questions of of the Super Bowl: How will New England play offense? Now, when I say that, of course they're going to do a bunch of things. Well, they're going to line up 11 guys. Right, right, and right. Touchdowns. And somebody will snap the ball to Tom Brady. Uh, Probably the offensive center. Or Julian Edelman. Right, he's right. A thrower too. Right. But what will be New England's sort of core approach as they're as they go through as the coaching staff spent all of last week deciding this as they they put in their game plan? What is the thing, the one approach that they feel? This is our best way to play against Seattle defense. Knowing that they'll have, they'll have three and, or four or five other ways to go at their disposal, right. because Brady's brilliant and, and you know one of the smartest quarterbacks to play, and they've got a very smart offense. They'll they'll have other things at their disposal. But what is the the one thing as a coaching staff when they sat down and analyzed the Seahawks defense that they say, "Here's the way we think we can best attack them." Um, I, in my opinion, they're looking at that and in, in a very one-dimensional layperson sense. I'm thinking I'm looking at Kevin Williams as a one-tech, and I'm thinking I'm going to attack Garrett Blunt right at him, and I'm going to do that until they force us to stop. And so you would feel comfortable with the interior three of their O-line against the interior two of the Seattle D-line. A lot of it's dependent on whether they play base or nickel, because they've been playing a lot of nickel against certain teams, and they, I think they may go base to I don't, start. I don't think, see, uh, again, now we're getting, this is the fun of this yeah. conversation. I'd be surprised if Seattle played nickel to New England base with Blunt in the backfield. That would surprise me. Um, I think it was Football Outsiders had the stats since Brandon Meebane got injured, they've been doing up a full yard more per carry. Right. And that's, you know... 
Obviously, and Kevin Williams is a great player. Jordan Hill helped him, but now he's out there. He's right. They don't have depth. In the middle of that part together. Right. Well, they had depth, but it's all hurt. Well, they don't have it now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot, too, 30 years exactly. ago, but I don't have yeah, it now. I don't have anything yeah. now. Uh, but, um, you know, and I think there's a sense that New England can run the ball inside, which means blind and won't be Vereen, that they can run the ball inside. So now, do they try to do that? You know, if they do it against base, then Bennett's going to play DN, not not D tackle. Do they? Does New England do it? You know, with predominant two tight end personnel, do they bring in the six linemen, which they've done? You know, obviously the two games they've done it the most were the two Colts games. You know, do they do that? Um, so it comes back to my my point: is that the way they see their core foundation offense in this game? And then they work off that. Let me break another question. How often does Brady pass in the 6 0 Oh, more than you think. Okay. I would, I would hope yeah. so. I mean, not, not, you, not you, 50%. You should want to, should want to yeah. establish a look. Yeah. Know. Not 50 or 60%, right. but not. And how, I mean, I, I don't know how much you've charted this, but or just kind of an eyeball thing. Is he more successful in the 6 0 Because teams are okay now we're ready to run. And even if you're not cheating up, you're mentally well, thinking up. Well, what you what you do when you do those kinds of things, particularly on first down, is you're getting a, a predictable front and a predictable coverage. That's why teams. That's why first down very often is viewed as the best down to throw, because based on your personnel and how teams respond to it, you're getting a predictable front and a predictable coverage. And if you have that with a with a quarterback like Brady, he's going to know where to throw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. it's Right. Yeah. Um, but then I also think back to, and this is why it's so great and so hard, I also think back to, you know, Seattle Week 2, okay? Uh, San Diego Week 2, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And I realize Chancellor is coming back off an injury and he's a better player now, but it's, it's still tactical. Yeah. And I think how San Diego lined up with... 11 personnel, not base, 11 personnel, yep. and had three wide receivers to the, to the field, to the wide side of the field. They had Antonio Gates slash Rob Gronkowski detached to the, the boundary, the short side of the field, with Danny Woodhead slash Shane Vereen offset in the backfield to the same side as the tight end. So basically the tight end was the ISO. Yes. And, and because you had three wide receivers to one side in that game, the Seahawks ended up matching up man and traveling their corners. So you ended up with either Chancellor or K.J. Wright matched on Antonio Gates. Now, we know what Chancellor is. He's a really good player. This is no knock on Camp Chancellor. But I think if the Patriots felt that they would get Gronkowski man-to-man, if they felt that that was going to be a predictable coverage for Seattle versus that formation look, They'd feel pretty good about Gronkowski running routes. Yeah. Well, I think they feel better because um, it's one of K.J. Wright's bugaboos, and he's talked about it this year and getting better at covering tight ends. But, it, well, I mean, it's not just the Gates game. It's been something, you know, that's right. been an issue. Um, and Chancellor, yeah, and the, and the thing is you can't really go with any precedence because Gronkowski, and let's talk about this now that we brought him up, I mean, you have these big, fast tight ends all over the place now, but what unique challenges does he present? Start with the hands. Start with the determination. We start with the pure physicality. Well, you've just hit it on everything. I remember when Ron Jaworski was still doing Monday Night Football maybe, I don't know, three years ago, and he came back from a New England game, 
And, I, you know, I always ask him, you know, some st- just some stuff, you know. And he said, you know, Gronk's 6'6", 275. And think about that for a minute. Yeah. You know, he's 275 pounds. He you know, just for uh, those at home, he outweighs Chancellor by 40 pounds. Right, and Chancellor's a big man. Yeah. So, I think we've kind of... We, We've hit on what Gronk does, yeah, you know. We're not breaking news here. No, really no. So, you know, I think that that's. I, I, and let me say this too: I think what New England will do early on early possessions is a lot of different personnel and formations to research the Seahawks' defense to see if the Seahawks will have some some matchup tendencies, you know, maybe they just stay in their cover three and New England after 10 snaps goes, you know what, now we'll go into all the stuff, that's our cover three beaters because they're staying in cover three and there are cover three beaters as you know. Such as? Well, without getting into, I'll get to a specific play in a sec, but you can here's the way cover three works as you know the corner is responsible for the, the widest receiver so if that wide, widest receiver, who's usually a wide receiver, runs a vertical route, the corner has to run with him because that's his deep third. That's his area of responsibility. Okay. So let's say he starts to run to the post, that wide receiver. The corner's going to go with him. So now what you can do is you can bring another receiver on a wheel route, let's say, into that same deep third that that corner has just vacated because he has to run with his widest wide receiver because it's his responsibility and we saw a play like that we've seen a bunch of them but the, a couple come to mind the Zach Ertz touchdown against Philadelphia the Jacob Tammy touchdown in um, uh, Denver's comeback yeah. week, week three where Seattle learned about the switch release and right they didn't like these it. are cover three beaters yeah. you know and, and one thing I learned from Mike Martz and it's so true is in order to break down defenses, the smart offensive coaches understand all the rules of defense. Because you need to understand the rules of defense before you can break it down. Yeah. And this is where football becomes almost a literal chess match. Correct. you got to understand the rules. And it becomes that way. Um, we were discussing this yesterday, and I think Brandon LaFell is, and people don't talk about him much, but I think he's the kind of receiver who could give Sherman fits. There aren't too many who can do this, but we saw against the Chargers how Keenan Allen, and he's that same kind of guy, he's bigger, he's not fast, but he's physical, and he knows how to do what I call establishing space in a short area. He That's says, a good point. Mine. Yeah. He boxes, well, you're a basketball yeah, player, you yeah, have to yeah. box people out. Um, and in that game, and I could see LaFell doing this, or the Patriots trying something similar, it was LaFell or excuse me, Keenan Allen going outside to the, the right side bound into the sideline. And Sherman's innate instinct is, I'm going to establish inside position because that's what I do because they're about to throw a fake or they're about to throw a side, a deep, some sort of deep sideline route. And you do that on Sherman against your peril. And then Allen crossed back inside and Sherman couldn't recover in time. Well, the one thing you, you notice when you watch Sherman really closely, and he's a great player again, but that's... Patriots are not going to go. Sherman's a great player. Let's go home. They're still going to play the game. That would be good. Yeah. Otherwise, we're all here for nothing. Exactly. I know. Um, Is when he does line up in press position and and the wide receiver sticks hard to the outside initially off the ball, um, Sherman will tend to turn his back. Yep. 
And we've seen over the last two years teams complete sort of quick slants on them. Now, these are not 60-yard touchdowns, so they don't seem like meaningful plays. But in a game where yards will be at a premium, first downs will be at a premium, you hit a quick slant for 9 or 11 yards, that's a meaningful play. Now, I'm not suggesting that New New England's going to hit 12 of those, but you know, Sherman does turn his back, and I guarantee that you will see LaFell catch a couple of some quick slants. Uh, what happens next? Hey, who knows? Um, I was also, in, in looking back at that San Diego game, I was also really intrigued by a couple of things San Diego did. See, as you know about Seattle's defense, to the wide, if they're playing cover three, they play cover three to the wide side of the field. And very often to the boundary, the short side, they'll have that corner match up in what we call a boundary lock. But to the wide side, they'll play cover three. Now, very often, if you put a wide receiver in tight motion, Sherman will at least move inside a little bit because there's that's his guy, you know, that's his threat. And you can sometimes get Sherman where you run hard inside and whip back out. And again, these are not 40-yard plays, but that's not the point. Yep. They're completions. Yeah. And New England's going to have to sustain. New England's not a big play offense. No. So they're going to have to sustain. Yeah, you don't get, I mean, unless you're beating a defense as quickly as they go. I think Brady had a pretty good profile focus and different timings. He had the second shortest time to throw, and the first shortest time to throw was Manning. So it is, you know, it's it's like three-step drop, hitch, go. Right, three right, step, right. Drop, hitch, go. Right. Now the big question becomes, will Seattle squeeze down hard because they won't be concerned about really anybody getting over the top? Well, I go back to the first Super Bowl I saw in person. I was up in the nosebleeds. Right. It was actually great because I had live all 22 for the whole game. Right. And I don't think it was the first Giants-Patriots Super Bowl. I don't think I saw New York run a safety further than 12 yards off the line of scrimmage the whole damn game. Yeah. No, and that's, you know, that's going to be very interesting. And, you know, again, now we know Belichick will know this, and then we'll see what the response is. Yeah. You know that I know that you know that I exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. But the reality is you can know as much as you want. They still don't have a guy who's going to blow the top off the coverage. So Edelman, and it's one of those sort of passwords where I know you're not watching when you compare him to Welker because it's not like Welker at all. He's an outside guy. He's pretty fast. He does a lot of things. And Josh McDaniel said yesterday that he's so impressed with the way that Edelman has come along and developed his skill set. Just as a general receiver, what challenges does he present? Well, we know, you know, besides the obvious, the short area quickness, I mean, the, the obvious traits, I still think most of New England's pass game is schemed. Yeah. You know, I... I, I mean, you see, when you talk about it, and yeah. I thought this too, these teams are pretty similar, actually, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, obviously, New England's pass game is, is better than... Yeah. than Seattle's past game right. for a lot of reasons. We're but talking about schematic. Right, ideas. right. And that's why I, I find Seattle's defense in this game, you know, if they just sit in cover three and basically say, hey, guys, you can scheme all you want. We're just sitting right here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we'll be right here. You can do all this cool stuff, but we're just sitting right here. And, and I think, though, and I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I think New England's going to have some formations and personnel packages where they feel pretty comfortable that Seattle's going to match up man. 
and then they're going to try. You know, it's like we talked about the three by one set with, with San Diego, where they did match up because the three wide receivers were to one side. I think they're going to be able, they're going to probe and see what those situations present. So we talked about two by two. We know the Patriots run heavy bunch, a little bit of trips. What are the other sort of staple route concepts? Or formation two routes. Well, what they do a ton of, and it does work against cover three, and we'll see if it works against Seattle, and obviously now you have Chancellor potentially sitting in the middle, which presents its own challenge, but they do a ton of that bang play action yep. with a quick throw, and it will all be dependent on where Chancellor is aligned. And I guarantee they'll feel by formation they can get him aligned where they want to get him aligned, uh, and then they can hit those throws. Yeah. So that side of the Possibly ball. Possibly just by where they put Gronkowski. Possibly. And they'll, and they'll get a real good read on right. how Chancellor is playing it. To line up, I mean, just, just how they line up from the huddle. I want to see where they put Gronkowski to start, and I want to see what they do with Vereen. Right. Because I think Vereen could be a real good tell to Brady. I couldn't I agree put, more. I put Vereen in the slot. I put Vereen in the flex. Remember on those two eligible plays, one where Vereen did and did not right, eligible right. was a similar play construct. And both of those he was in the right slot. And yeah. they were defending him as such, which means teams take him seriously no kidding. as, a, as yeah. a slot to outside receiver. Yeah. Well, and they also align him outside the numbers and see what knowing what Seattle does. Will they, let's say, keep Sherman out there you know, on him because they're playing cover three? Or are they going to run out K.J. Wright on him? In which case, I think New England will take a shot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and it would seem to me that the Patriots do that a lot if, if it's a scheme passing game. Does Seattle do that, by the way? Do Not they? a whole lot. Yeah, I don't think no, so. I wouldn't no. think so either. But I think New England, my sense is they do a lot of, we're just going to line this guy up here, and now we know what your defense is on this play, and then Brady's super right. starts working right. and off we go. Correct. Um, so when we talk about Kevin Williams, um, and again, He's been, he has been, in, I don't know where they'd be in that inside run defense without him, but you talk about Bennett outside, Bennett inside. From a pure run defensive perspective, where is Seattle right now? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, luckily, I, honestly, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I... I mean, Wagner helps a yeah. lot, but... I mean, I, I, when you watch the game, the NFC Championship game, to me, they... I mean, they made some plays, like everybody does, because run defense, you know, unless you're horrible, people are not gashing you for 10 yards every play. You know. But I thought that if you're watching that game and then watching it on tape, they they just looked like a run defense. They didn't look like they were really shutting people kind down. Of that against Jonathan Stewart, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, which is probably going to lead a lot of people to believe that you're going to see a lot of Garrett Blunt, and they're going to run the ball and see if they can... You know, gain four, five, six. By the way, I thought Blunt looked the best that I've seen him in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. He actually looked like he had some wiggle to him, yeah. which he normally doesn't yeah. have. Yeah. I don't know that he's getting faster per se, but he's becoming in your parlance a better move. Right. Especially right. in short areas. And no one's right. Gonna, no one's going to mistake his you know, wiggle for more. Right. Right. I couldn't agree more. But there is more of that. I agree. There is more of that. So. New England's offensive line um, versus 
that, and, and one thing that I think is sort of a misnomer, everyone thinks, and maybe it's because of the cover three thing, or maybe it's because people don't talk about Seattle's defensive line a lot. They actually do a lot of stuff up front. And talking about Seattle? Yeah. yeah. And that that goes back to Dan Quinn, who has always been very, and Atlanta fans, you have this to look forward to. Um, he was the guy who said, let's make Red Bryant a 360-pound five-tech in. He was the guy who came up with the Bennett and Averill over here, two linebackers over here outside the formation, and we stumped both guys. Right, right, right. Um, would you expect to see a lot of trickery from that uh, defensive front, and we're including Bruce Irvin in that, or do you think they'd stay more base because they have to worry about Blunt just you know going right at him? Well, I because think you're talking about you're talking about two different things. Uh, yeah, you start getting tricky with that. Yeah, but most tricks occur in your sub package D line. Blunt won't be in the game when this stuff happens. So, well, in other words. Will they feel they can do this kind of stuff, or will they feel Brady's going to get the ball out too quick, um, and they want to just try to get pressure in his face quickly and not worry about all the games? Um, that's a hard question. I mean, obviously, down and distance will dictate a lot of this. The longer the yardage, the more they can do. Uh, the shorter the yardage, you know that the ball will come out somewhere. You know. Um, but I don't think you'll see a lot of games versus New England's base offense because it's the, the, they'll have their base defense and their base. You won't, you know, Bennett will be at the end. They'll have McDaniel and they'll have uh, Williams in. You're not going to see a lot of a lot of games versus base. I don't think. I'm kind of wondering. <laughs> you could be right. Hey. I've been thinking about that all week. Like they're going to. Especially if one is successful, where they're going to start because that's what Quinn does. He right. Makes start with base, and then he'll then he'll scheme to adjust. And he and, and once he yeah. does, it's pretty. Amazing. Right. Right. So um, I'm not going to ask you to make a pick, but everybody else is asking. Uh, I'm not going to. <laughs> that's all anybody. It's it's make a pick and, and give me a list. You uh, know, that's all anybody wants like, to know. Uh, Slideshow too. Yeah. Um, what in your mind? What is the most and you talked about the, the Seattle deception offense, but what is the most important mano a mano of this game? What is what is the one thing either Team A must do or Team B must stop? Well, the, the one thing to me, and I'll be totally honest with that, I, I don't really feel like I have a great handle on, and I think it could determine the outcome of the game, is how New England plays offense against this defense. That, to me, is... Because personnel-wise, you look at New England's offense, and I don't think you say, "Wow!" Even though they, you know, they have Brady. Besides Brady, obviously. Yeah. But beyond that, I'm not sure you look at that offense and say, "Boy, we got to stop this guy. We got to stop this guy. Boy, they can do this." I, I, I don't think that's what their offense is. So. I am so fascinated by how they're going to play and then how Seattle plays. Yeah. Because for the most part, for the most part, again, there's always tweaks. Plus, and you got Gronkowski. Ju- right, right, right. Yeah. Other than Gronkowski, I, you're right, he's the guy. Um, but I'm talking about, I guess, you know, and, and Edelman, he's a really good player, but he's a certain kind of player. Yeah. 
he's kind of like Derek Baldwin. They're not similar players, but that sort of. He, like he's, he's probably better only because of the way he's used. Yeah, like a, and, he's, yeah. a, he's like, a, I don't know, 2A or a 1B, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so that, that part really fascinates me because, and I don't know how you feel, but do you see New England moving the ball with consistency? And I know that's a relative term, but do you see that? I think they're going to have a pretty good shot because... In the base, yeah, as you said, in the base offense, Bennett will be outside. Bennett is their best gap splitter, and they like to use slide protection when they have plan. So I think they're going to have their shots to do that. And right. If, if, uh, consistency as in, you know, six different 10-play 80-yard drives, no. Because no. nobody does Nobody does it, yeah. But I think they'll have bursts of consistency and the ability to make big plays. Right. They're not, they're not going to get shut down. Okay. I don't. It won't be like Denver last year. They just. I don't want to say give up. They just kind of threw up their hands in the second half and went eh. Next year, I don't. I don't think this team does that. And it's why I have a tougher time getting a handle on this game. Um, I don't know. Really, it's, it's the biggest pick of I can remember in the Super Bowl. Right. Right. It's just a tough. Game. No, I think this is a really tough game to get a handle on. Yeah. Also, a fascinating game to get a handle. Well, on, yeah. We just, yeah. We just don't know. Right. Right. But uh, we've, we've done an hour of not knowing, and that's what we do every week. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, another great season. It was uh, awesome to get the pod back going, and uh, we'll see you in time for the draft. Uh, Pre-draft. Yes. Yes. It, we're, we're getting to that point. We are. John, John Schneider was saying yesterday, we're all way out oh, of the Oh, of course they are. Of course they are. Yeah, I know. I can really keep my schedule together. All right, Greg, thanks as always, and we'll talk to you soon.